Amen. Hey, open up, open up to Revelation chapter 5. Open up to Revelation chapter 5. I'm, uh, I have been, I don't know what has happened. I, well, I know a couple of things that's happened. But I've been obsessing over the book of Revelation for about the last eight weeks. And it's, let me, let me, let me preface it with this. It's not, it's not because I think that uh, I'm trying to look for an answer of what's going to happen next out there, okay? It's not because I'm doing that. Actually, the, it's, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ is what the book is called. It's not the revelation of the end times, although it does talk about end times. It's not the revelation of, of weird things, because there is weird things in there. It's not the revelation of blood moon. It's not the revelation of anything. It's the revelation of Christ Jesus, okay? And, and so, so I'll just, full disclosure, most of my Christian life I've been afraid to read it. <laughs> One, because I didn't understand the vast majority of it. And there's still a lot of it that's shrouded in mystery, okay? But the great thing is, is that when eternity, eternity's already come, because when you step into the kingdom of God, your eternal life begins right then and there, okay? But when he sets up that new Jerusalem, when we spend eternity in heaven with him, that we will spend all of eternity getting to know the different facets and nature of him. And so it's an ever unfolding revelation of Christ Jesus, okay? And so we're going to spend all of eternity doing this. Now, what's fascinating to me, there's, there's, three, there's three passages in the Word that really deal with what it looks like in heaven right now. You, you can find that in Ezekiel chapter 1. You can find that in Daniel 7. You can find that here in his, uh, uh, Revelations chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5. Really just describes what it looks like. And there's a lot of stuff going on. And then like Revelation 19 talks about the, uh, 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 the sea of glass mingled with fire. But there's all kinds of stuff going on here in this book. But I, I felt led of the Lord to... To, to demystify some of it, but also I felt led of the Lord that like, especially what we're talking about today has to do with everything that we are doing as a company of people. Okay, it has to do with what we're doing with our with our worship and prayer and intercession. It has to do with what we're doing with the sending out of ministers, which which we 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 will talk more about that at the end. But most of you all know that that Pastor Milton and Rita accepted the call to become the pastor of Reber Church of Nazarene several hours. Yes, that's so good. It's so, so good. And so we're, we're actually hoping to work something out. We're trying to work something out where we do a sending off party for them, okay? And, and if nothing else, we're going to bless their socks off with cards because the Lord has used, the Lord used that couple while they were here. And the Lord did something significant in their heart and they went back out. And I think that's a picture of what the Lord's going to do here is that part of what's here is, a, is, a, is just the presence of Jesus. And then if you can come and if you can sit in that environment, that the Lord begins to heal your heart. Now, first of all, it's painful because he ends up killing you and that hurts. <laughs> like the sooner you lay down and die, the easier the process will be. But, but, but you got to go through that process nonetheless. But anyway, these throne room passages or, or these scenes from heaven, what's, what's, what's amazing is, is, is I, I had this thought about six weeks ago. It's like, 
The, the Lord can pick and choose whatever He wants to pick and choose. He's God. He's sovereign. He's, he's powerful, right? And so it's, it, it'd be like, and if He can pick and choose what He wants to do, I think it's really significant everything that's going on around Him in the heavenly places. It's like, it's, it's, it's like this, like every time we move into a house, we paint the house. Why? Because we want it to look and feel the way we want it to look and feel like because we like things a certain way. And so the same thing with the Lord, I believe that what He has surrounded Himself with are the things that He just flat out prefers. And if He prefers those things, I want to know what He prefers. And if He prefers those things, then I can begin to pray. When I pray, like it just gives more revelation into Matthew 6.10 on earth as it is in heaven. And so then I can begin to pattern my life, pattern our church, pattern my devotional life, my family, based on what He prefers there because it, it eventually He wants the kingdoms of this world to become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ. Okay? So I say that. Now, Revelation 5, I'm just going to read the first 10 verses here, and then we're going to break them down, and, 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 and I, don't, I don't know how far we'll get, but we'll get into this quite a bit. Revelation 5, now this is John writing, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming, with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the... This is wild. No one in heaven and, in, and on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or even look into it. Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion is from the tribe of Judah. The root of David has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes and, and the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And verse 8, this, is, this verse 8 is foundational to what's going on here actually. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. By the way, when we sing, you're worthy of it all, and we say, let incense rise, we're not talking about some hocus-pocus lighting candles and being like, let that incense rise. What we're actually singing about is let the prayers of the saints ascend into the throne room of heaven to where it has an audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Verse 9, and they sang a new song. A new song, worthy, and this is what they sang, Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Amen. Amen. <laughs> 
Amen. There's a whole lot going on here, and I'm going to do my best to break a lot of this down. But, but again, we, we're viewing this from the lens of this is what surrounds him, and we pray on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we talked extensively when we prayed Matthew 6.10, we signs, wonders, miracles, high degree of presence, like, but, but I believe that it also pertains to this. Now, verse 8, it says this, When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. I put in my notes, like bullet point one, harp and bowl. This is where we're headed, and this would be, why in the world are we praying so much now? (laughs) Why in the world are we praying and worshiping three times a week now, in addition to what we're doing? Uh, That's a legitimate question. Is it like, are we doing it because it sounds fun? Is it doing, are we doing it because we don't know what else to do? But partly, yes. Are, are, we, are we doing it because we, want to, we, we just want to be in here and, and, and never be out there? No, it's not. We're doing it because there's actually biblical foundation for why we should worship and pray and intercede, okay? All right, so... The four living creatures, first of all, I've talked about this before, but the four living creatures, their only job in heaven is to worship the king. That's their only, they sing the same song over and over and over again. That's why I have no problem when sometimes we do a song for 20 minutes here. I think, man, if we, can, if we get bored doing a song for 20 minutes here on earth, we need the Lord to change our hearts because it'll be like 2 million years and all we're singing is holy, right? Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And one of my favorite preachers says this, it's like, it's like Jesus isn't boring, we're boring, we need to get a revelation of his goodness. But these four living creatures, they were covered in eyeballs on, all around their body, and they were covered by, with eyeballs inside their body. And in chapter 4, it actually says that they were translucent, meaning that you could see through them. And so even their insides were covered with eyes. It sounds really, really weird. But the principle or the point of it is, is that as they circled that throne, the only thing, it didn't matter wherever they were, as they continued to circle the throne, they received new revelation after new revelation after new revelation, and it's what he looks like. And the only reasonable response that they could come up with is, Holy! Okay? Like, it's, it's wild when you think about it. Like, their job is to look at him. Oh. That's so fun. Then there's the 24 elders, which represents the saints of the church. By the way, if you're in Christ Jesus, you're a saint. You're not a sinner, you're a saint. All right, so we'll just throw that out there. Let's, put, let's just stomp on bad Calvinist theology real quick here. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner saved by grace, and now you're part of the royal priesthood. Amen. Okay? All right, so these 24 elders... They fell down in a posture of worship before the Lamb with a harp and golden bowls of incense. By the way, harp isn't harp what you picture like angels in heaven playing. You know what, you know what I'm talking about. You see them on cartoons. Like, that's not what a harp is. That's just what we translate it as. Harp, to be quite honest, would be a triangle-shaped instrument that has a neck that has strings on it. Think guitar. 
That's the instrument that the Lord put around him is a guitar-like instrument, okay? So, so, so anyway, so they had this, and it represents, the harp is a stringed instrument, it represents worship. So worship is going around the throne or going on around the Lord 24-7 ever since the beginning of time. That's what he chose to surround himself with. Then it says that, they also had these golden bowls full of incense, and that's the intercession, that's the prayers of the saints. And so I'll say this, like it, it, and it says that it is full, by the way. It is full. It's not halfway full. It's not partially full. The bowls are fully full, <laughs> if you will. And, and so that means that every single prayer that you have ever prayed, what I think it's actually, if it's a good prayer, like, you know, if, like you feel it, man. You pr- operate a good prayer. Or if it's a bad prayer, then I don't think there's a such thing as a bad prayer. But if it's like, Jesus, help, you realize that that goes before him and that is put before him. And that releases a pleasing aroma unto God that he's like, I think I'm going to put, I like that one. I'm going to answer that one. And so, so, so what it looks like for us is when we're doing all these prayer and worship times, we are actually modeling this verse. It's like, well, why do we want to model this verse? Well, you can read, I'll probably do this later on, but in Amos chapter 9, in Amos chapter 9, verses 11 through 15, it talks about, Amos is prophesying what it would look like before the second coming of Christ Jesus. Okay, And he says this, that basically the tabernacle of David would be restored and then Jesus would come. And so what was the tabernacle of David? David set up his kingdom in Jerusalem and David essentially, David, and some of you guys know this, but David established the tabernacle of David for the glory of the Lord to begin to dwell in. And it had the Ark of the Covenant, but it also had this 24-7 worship and prayer. And I wish I had the number in front of me, but to even just run this thing, because that's what these folks were employed, paid to do 24-7. They took different shifts, and it figures out to about an hour and 10 minutes per shift is what he had all these people to do. And it was the equivalency of spending a million dollars a month, I believe is the correct number, but equivalency of spending a million dollars a month just to keep this thing going because he wanted to model what was going on in heaven. I know this is new for some of us. It's, it's just, I, I, my heart is so alive with this right now. <laughs> the Lord, he is, he is giving us an opportunity right here and right now to partner with what's going on in heaven with our worship, our prayers, and our intercession. Now, what's fascinating is, is it says that those golden bowls are full of prayers with the saints. Now, we're not in heaven right now before the Lord. But my prayers are. Let me say that again. We're not in heaven right now before the Lord, but my prayers are. Which would mean that as I pray, I actually 
am invited into what's going on around the throne room right here and right now. I don't have to wait until I die and stand before him. I actually get to begin to partner with him right here and right now. And to me, like that's one of the most exhilarating thoughts is, is there's these elders playing these, <laughs> playing these harps, right? There are these elders playing these harps and they're holding these golden bowls of incense, which are our prayers. And it's like Michael Perkins prayed this one at 4.30 this morning, Lord. Can you smell what that thing smells like? <laughs> Come on, this is, this is good. And so we have this opportunity. Now here's, I'm going to jump forward right here. I just want to read this verse because it's like, well, if there's in these golden bowls, like what's the purpose? Like eventually the Lord answers some. I don't understand why he answers some quicker than others. I, I, I don't understand that, but I know he chooses to answer them. I know that he's answering prayers right here and right now that your great-grandparents prayed. I know that he's answering prayers right now that my grandmother prayed. He is, okay? So Revelation 8, 5, 8, 5 says this. The angel took the censer, took the bowl, and filled it with fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds of flashes of lightning and an earthquake. So, so it's like the Lord's like, that one right there is really pleasing to me in this moment. And the angel takes it and he grabs it and he throws it back to the earth. That's a prophetic picture. It's not really even prophetic. It is a picture of what the Lord is doing. And this is a picture of prayers being answered that are in that bowl. I don't know how long it's in that bowl. I just know this is a picture of what's going on. And when it hits the earth, when it hits the earth, it says that there were sounds and flashes of lightning. Talk about this Wednesday night. But lightning typically represents the word of the Lord being spoken forth. So, flashes of lightning. Thus saith the Lord. Answer that prayer. <laughs> okay? Thus saith the Lord. Or it's the spoken word and it releases these lightnings, flashes, and earthquakes. I actually think the earthquake is the answer because sometimes when the Lord answers something, it feels like you got an earthquake. <laughs> it's like oh, everything shakes beneath you. Or if we pray for someone, let's just do it even more practically. We've been praying for a lost loved one, a lost loved one, a lost loved one, a lost loved one. Finally, it happens. The, the word of the Lord is released by way of the lightning. And then they have an earthquake type of encounter in, by which they never recover from. Amen. <laughs> There's a lot here. There's a whole lot here. Like, I think we're just like barely scratching the surface. And so, so you can, I'm hoping you see the importance of why we're starting to pray and worship, okay? Because there's heart, bowl, fill that sucker up, man. So that we can see Matthew 6, 10, on earth as it is in heaven, which is what revival is. Now, the, the next thing I want to talk about is that, that worship and prayer, this harp and bowl, it gives birth the creativity, it gives birth to creativity. Verse 9, it says this, and they sang a new song. They didn't sing a classic song. They didn't sing the song that's trendy on the radio right now. They didn't sing a song that was sung 200 years ago. I like all those things, but they sang a new song for the moment. Practically, we do this all the time here. 
Actually, last week, Brett sang one that was a new song that came out of the prayer room a few weeks back. Right, He turned furnaces in the dance hall. And then this morning, he prompted everyone, just begin to sing and bless the Lord. And what comes out of your mouth is what's on your heart in that moment. And so that is a creative creative act, if you will. And the only way that's possible, like you can't, I'm convinced of this. You could make up a song that you wanted to. You could sit down with a bunch of songwriters and think, this sounds good, this sounds good, this sounds good, but there won't be any anointing on it. There won't be any stank on it, if you will. There just won't be nothing on it unless, unless the Lord breathes on that thing right then and there. And so, so that's why, that's why even, okay, for instance, we went into Fight My Battles this morning. Fight My Battles came out of a moment at Upper Room Church where it came out spontaneously as, as they were singing in the moment. It came out and there's something on it. Every time we sing it, there's something on it. Why? Because it's a new song that the Lord was saying. So they sing a new song, worthy, this is my Bible. Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Now, new, that new song, it means previously unknown. It, it means the latest and it means something different. They released that new song, Worthy Are You. Now think of this. John the Beloved, John the Revelator is in heaven with this prophetic vision and they sing a new song. The song had never been sung before. And the song that they sing is, Worthy Are You to Take the Book and Break Its Seals. Now this new song is what John was weeping about a few verses earlier. Let me, let me go back, and I'll break all this down. And I saw a strong angel. Like, what in the world is a strong angel? Like, like I, I know that later on in Revelation, there's an angel that has one foot in the sea and one foot on the land. Like, and, and it doesn't even describe this one. This says this one's strong, so he must be really strong. But he has a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or, or to look into it. And then John, he responds and he began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. So, so first of all, let me explain what the scroll is. The scroll had seven seals on it, but the scroll would be, the best description would be, uh, you understand what a deed is. Like if I deed my property over to you, it means that if I sign the deed over, it means that you would begin to hold every single right that comes with owning that deed. 
the deed to heaven is essentially it belongs to Christ Jesus and it means that all power and authority and dominion belong to him and him alone. No one else is worthy to own the deed to heaven, but only one is. And so the angel's going, who can open this thing up? Because only one can open this thing up. There's no one worthy. Is there anyone worthy to open this thing up? And so John starts weeping because he realizes none is worthy to open this thing. And then the elders is like, no, you don't understand. There is one who is worthy. There is one who is worthy. And his name is Jesus. And he overcome. He overcame because he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was victorious. He was almighty. He was all powerful. I'm the strong angel, but the strong angel couldn't even open it. But he can because he's worthy. When we come here, we don't come to listen to music. We don't come to listen to a preacher. We come to listen to the lion of the tribe of Judah who overcame by the blood, by his own shed blood. So this new song that was released came out of adoring him. Here's what I believe that happens. When we become a people, and we are, become a people that the harp and the bow are the priority. And, and like, again, you've you got to understand, like, I could sing songs till I'm blue in the face. I could. But when I begin to sing songs that adore Him and worship Him and magnify Him, then by way of revelation it comes and He is honored with that. It's why in... in, in no, I'm not allowed to say that. I was only snarky and I can't. Worship and intercession release this. It releases new songs. Let me, let me phrase it like the atmosphere that worship and prayer creates is conducive to new songs coming out. It's conducive to people receiving new calls from God. Like callings, like called to preach, called to pastor, called to do this, called to do that. You, you understand, like it's conducive for that. It, uh, new giftings, it, it's conducive to new inventions and creative ways to do things. It's, it's conducive to dreams. It's, it's, it's conducive, like for us even, I think it's conducive, like what I feel like, is it, it creates a new way to even live as a family. New way to live as a family, it, and it, as a family, and it creates new ways to live as family. It does, because it's all centered around His presence. It's all centered around His presence. Okay, now, now we could do what we're doing like we've always done, and, and it's not a bad thing. It's, it's not. But if we want to really be operating with the heartbeat of the Lord, then this worship and prayer and i'm not trying to guilt trip you coming because that's not my heart like I, people busy they they work but if you develop this lifestyle even at home yeah. 
it begins to change things, okay? It begins to change things. And so, 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 so it begins to release all these new things. Now, here's, here's another interesting thing, is that the elders, and I don't know why this was the case, but the elders have a, had a revelation of the lion of the tribe of Judah. But then when the angelic hosts spoke, they spoke of the Lamb of God. So not only is he mighty, but he chose to lay himself down as a lamb on our behalf. And if that doesn't cause us to want to just bless his name, I'm not sure what will. And I've been in settings where these new songs, like you can tell when they're forced or not. I just think it comes by way of a high degree of presence. You don't have to try to do it. The other thing that this does, again, harp and ball, worship, prayer. The other thing that it does is it releases identity. Yeah. It releases identity. That, that's, that's what happens in verse 10. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests. That's like a job description identity. That's who we are. We're a kingdom and we're a priest. To who? To our God. And they will reign upon the earth. So reigning upon the earth, which is, I, I think is a picture of revival, comes by way of becoming a kingdom and priest to God. I think sometimes we mess the order up where we try to be a kingdom and priest to the world. But this says that we become a kingdom and priest to our God, and then they reign. I, I think... Kingdom is, 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 is the place where the king reigns. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we want the place where he reigns to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's, it's where the king reigns. It's the place where the king's laws and decrees are executed. His judgments are executed in the moment in which he speaks them, right? It, it's, it's, it's the place of that. It's where they're carried out. And it also represents the expansion of the kingdom. There's never been a king on the history of, of the earth that one of, he's like, oh, I want my kingdom to decrease in size. This never happened in the history of the earth. And so the Lord wants his kingdom to increase, right? That would be the picture of the Great Commission, or that would be a picture of what was said in, in Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and multiply, expand the boundaries of the garden, which represents the kingdom of God. It, it was the kingdom of God. And so, so, so we are a kingdom of priests. Now, now, with this expansion of it, 
again, I, I don't think we realize what we're called to do unless we worship and unless we pray, because then we don't realize that Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of heaven is where? In our midst, or the kingdom of heaven is within, which means, again, that everywhere you go, He is there, right? Everywhere you go, He goes. Everywhere He goes, you go, because the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. So how are we the kingdom practically? We start giving away food once a month. Are we giving away food because we feel like we need to have social justice and feed the hungry? Are we giving away food because we feel like the Lord told us to do it? And every time we give away food, we realize that darkness is being pushed back. The only true social justice is biblical justice, by the way. And biblical justice is darkness fleeing when light comes. All right? So, so how are we the kingdom? We be, we're becoming the kingdom when we have pastors like Pastor Milton and Rita. They come and they sit here for two and a half, three years. They're not here. I want to tell this. I knew them because they used to work with my parents, and my parents moved. And they were left at a church, and most of you guys know this, but where they stayed, it was really hard on them. It was just really hard, and they weren't sure what they were going to do. And I had called them and just said, look, there's a place for you to serve. Ministry's not over. And that's all I said. And I was sitting in line at Highland Middle School waiting to pick up my son, <coughs> and Milton calls me, and I answer I had one conversation with the man. Milton calls and says, where's the nearest Chick-fil-A? I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I'm thinking, you're in Illinois. He says, no, my, Rita and I have been looking at houses all day, and I think we just bought one. Messed me up every time thinking about him when I think about that. So I didn't even know they were coming. They come. And this is not to make like, like we've had lots of people, you all moved and, and your story's incredible what the Lord did in that. Bob called one time, Bob messaged me and we, I was sitting in the parking lot of Indiana Westland and, he's, and the first time we actually talked on the phone he says, I don't know why I'm supposed to be connected to you but I'm supposed to be connected to you. Amen. A month later he's calling, I'm supposed to move to Kentucky. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Can I come and visit? So Milton comes, serves. When we were on the other side, do you guys remember like how terrible the air conditioning was all the time? He was the one that always fixed it. Just serve and serve and serve and had the opportunity to go and he answered the Lord's call. And it wasn't because he was mad and wanted to leave. It was because the Lord spoke and called him and I have to believe that what has happened over the last few years between Crestwood and River City prepared them for what the Lord's called them to do. So that's another way. And, 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 and we believe like whatever the Lord uses you all for, and He's using you all right now for men's ministry and some healing and deliverance. And we believe that the kingdom is expanding through that. And so we understand that like, and this is what's hard, is because I grew attached to people love people but also understand that 
I've left places too when I thought the Lord told me to. And so when the Lord really speaks and draws them out, I'm not going to be critical and I'm not going to point my finger. I'm going to bless them and send them out. And so that's the hardest thing about what this is because there's people probably sitting in this room right now that may not always be here, but the Lord will call them out. But you know what the Lord's also going to do? He's going to send more. He's going to send more. And it's not because we have it all figured out because we don't. But it's because of this worship and prayer and this revival family atmosphere that's here that begins to allow healing to come to people's hearts and allows them to get a picture of what ministry really is. And then they can go back out and fulfill what the Lord has called them to do. Once you understand, like it's really important. It's so, so important. It's like, it's what's your church growth strategy? I don't know. Let's just keep sending them out. <laughs> What's your church? How are we going to grow? I don't know. Let's just keep sending people to the dark places. You understand? So we're also called to be priests. I'll move forward. I could like belabor that point for a really long time. But everything we do is to push back darkness. That's the expansion of the kingdom. We are a kingdom of priests or kingdom and priests. Priests. This is why I didn't know this until this week. I looked up the word priest. Because you hear the word priest and you think like clerical collar, right? Or at least I do. But, but the word priest, it means to be made quiet, to be made alone, to made waste to. What it really means is one who has completely died to themselves. So it's, it's, it's coming to the revelation that I, I'm nothing but you're everything. And the only ones that can really minister to the Lord's heart are the ones that are, can say, I'm nothing, but you're everything. When you say, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? When you do, like, and that, that's what I thought I was 13 years ago going to ministry. I'm like, I'm going to set the world on fire by my preaching. That's stupid. That's just dumb. But, but I thought, you know, like this, and I'm thinking, and, and like, I didn't say this, but my attitude reflected it. Like, I, you're pretty lucky I'm doing this for you, like, which is really, really wrong. And it was no wonder. The only reason I think we ever had any fruit was just because of his goodness, because he was blessing ignorance. He was. But, but when we really started to see fruit, it was like, I don't have any answers. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. I've tried everything in the book. I'm throwing it out. And it's all on you now. But if you tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. And then and only then when you get laid waste and become nothing, it ministers to his heart. He's like, finally, I can use them. (laughs) And so us as a people, us as a people... It looks like this. I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I'm completely dead, and the only way I can raise my babies to serve you and love you is if I completely surrender my life to you. 
I, I work in the medical field. The only way I can serve in the medical industry is, is not because of the education which I have, which is a good thing, but the only way I can serve in the medical industry is if I say, I've been laid to waste, I realize that you've given me this gift and this ability, and I'm going to use it to bring you honor and glory. It's, it's, it's getting to the point where we realize that the most important thing we can do is realize that, is that we could do nothing under our own strength or under our own volition except for Him working through us. <laughs> You've made them to be a kingdom and a people that realize they're nothing without you. As a kingdom of priests, our first ministry is to the Lord. And as we minister to the Lord, the Lord releases His ministry around to other people. I've done it the other way. And I have ran myself ragged and burnt myself out trying to minister to people. I want to minister to people. I do minister to people. But that comes first. And then everything else comes from that. I want to read this last verse. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, is what the NASB translates as. But the KJV says, you're a peculiar people. Perry Poye says, you're a people that solely belong to another. When you solely belong to him, it ministers to his heart. I think sometimes he's like, they're halfway in. I sure wish I'd go all in. (laughs) Because it would make my heart happy. So how are we priests? We, we, We solely belong to him. You just make that covenant. And I think in this atmosphere, and again, this isn't something you just decide, I'm going to solely belong to God. Like, be for real, how many of us have answered altar calls to give your life to Jesus when the preacher gives an altar call to give your life to Jesus? Like, Like, I think, I don't know, I think I got born again like nine times before it actually stuck. You know what it was? I'm convinced that the time it stuck was July 15, 2007. You know what I'm convinced it was? Is I think that, that last time it stuck because I came to the resolution that I'm... It's going to have to be all you. It has to be all you because if I'm involved in this at all, I'm going to mess it up again. Because I'm going to go out and I'm going to try my best which I think you should try your best, but I'm going to try my best, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then I'll mess up, and then I'll feel guilty, and then because I feel guilty, I distance myself, and I stop reading a word because I missed two days in a row, or what I mean, like all those things that happened in those early days. And I said, I'm just, I'm just done doing that. I'm just going to lay it all down for you. I'm going to lay my life to waste. I almost said my wife to waste. Uh, I'm going to lay, I'm going to, it wasn't on purpose. I'm going, to lay, <laughs> I'm going to lay my life to waste and allow you to pick it back up. 
And that only comes out of a posture of worship and prayer. Yeah. Once you understand, everything's coming from that posture. So for us, practically, let me, let me phrase it like this or frame it like this. It's like, why did I struggle so much those first however many times after I'd be like, I'd give my life to Jesus. Why did I struggle? Because I didn't enter into a life of praying and worshiping. And worshiping is reading the word. It's talking to God. It's singing those songs. It's, it's, it's doing all those things. But I didn't enter into that life. So many people fall away from the faith because they never enter into that lifestyle. And so they vacillate back and forth based on what their feelings are. Like, I had a great day at work, so praise Jesus. Or I had a terrible week this week. Someone said something bad about me. Oh, I don't know if I want to do that whole Christian stuff or not. I mean, that's, I mean, that sounds really silly, but that is what we do. And what I'm finding is this, that if we can have this space be an atmosphere of prayer and worship, I'm believing that the vacillation in people's lives is, is going to stop. Or, or, not that I want this to happen, or it's going to be so uncomfortable that they won't want to be here. Because of conviction. It's not because of the preaching. It's not because of the worship. It's because of the presence. But what I want to believe is that they'll come and just find, all right, I've, I'm done. I've come to the end of myself. I think I'll, I'm going to stop there. I've like got a lot, lot more. But I just want to underscore why we've started going down the road we've went down. And this is, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. Hang on, bud, for just a minute. This is what I believe. It's like we, we've, had, we've had amazing worship the last few years. We, I mean, like from, from April and Phil and Ethan to when Logan was here, to when you all are here. Like, we've been very blessed with our worship the entire time. Been very, very blessed as a church. I've, I've, I've been there before where my wife was a worship leader. If she was sick, I led acapella hymns, and that, that was bad. <laughs> okay? We're really blessed with what we have. I feel like we've got decent teaching. Okay? We have teaching that's from the Word. All right? And I do. It's weird sometimes and quirky, but it, it, it gets the job done. <laughs> and I feel like the one thing that we, we started to do two years ago when Pastor Corey Jones came was we started to pray before our services. But just here recently, we felt like the Lord just said, do more. Huh? But we didn't know what it was until you all said, hey, can we do this? And this was one of those, I'm going to be honest, like sometimes when I don't know what to do, I'm like, yeah, go for it. And, but when I see it, I know it. And I sat in our living room, we watched it, and we bawled like babies, and like this is the thing that we believe we've been missing. And we've been talking about dreaming of starting a school of ministry, and not like we're going to license ministers, but actually just teaching just practical stuff that you don't get taught in seminary. And most of the time, why guys end up quitting anyway because they don't get taught these practical... They can learn biblical exegesis. They can pick apart a passage. But practically, they, it's just hard sometimes. And like we've been dreaming about this, and we realize that the only way that'll happen is if we have this atmosphere of prayer and worship. Now, here's, here's what I want to say this. We're doing this here, but I'm going to ask you to start turning your homes into this as well. 
Because what we're doing up here in the space will not work if you're not doing it at home. If we're not doing it at home. Not just you, me. Begin to enter into times of more prayer. Begin to enter times of more just worshiping and adoring the Lord. Begin to enter into more times of, of reading your Bibles or even praying the Scripture. I mean, what we just read, Lord, like, like open that scroll. <laughs> You're worthy. Whatever that looks like, you can just take it and repeat it out loud. And I promise you, it's going to hit you different. And you start to pray that stuff out loud. And we'll start to see the Lord do something really, really amazing in our midst. Amen. 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 I'm just going to pray. And go ahead, Bob. So I feel like we'll, we'll, we'll really look at what this looks like more and more and more because this is just, I just want you to understand, we're not doing this because it's like, well, we're going to try this. for like We just think this is what God's asking us to do. So Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for the invitation to worship and to pray and to intercede. I thank you for the invitation to really we're not even creating a church. We're not doing that. You, you tell us in Psalm 127 that unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers build in vain. But we're doing what Psalm 126 says, that, that those who sow in tears will reap songs of joy. And Lord, we're just going to sow these tears. We're going to sow these songs. We're going to sow these prayers and believe that you're going to build something spectacular with those seeds, God. So I would pray, Lord, that you give us a heart to pray, give us a heart to worship, give us a heart to intercession. I would pray this morning, Lord, that, that this just becomes a lifestyle, not something that we do, but it's something that becomes as important to us as the air and oxygen that we breathe, Lord. I would pray, Lord, that you begin to birth new things out of this house. I would pray, Lord, for new songs. <laughs> Even as I was preaching, I was thinking of the day where our team's going to release uh, uh, worship albums that are birthed spontaneously out of this room, Lord. I would pray for that, God. I pray for people in the church to get ideas or dreams or visions on new ways to provide for their family, Lord, on, on new inventions, God, on, on new ways to do things that they've always done things. I'm not even sure what that looks like, but I'm asking, Lord, that that culture of creativity begins to get birthed, God. And I would pray, Lord, that that would only push us into what you've really asked us to do is to be a kingdom of priests or to be kingdom and priests, to be people that expand the boundaries of the garden and to be a people that minister to you. To be a people that minister to you. And Lord, I, I, I feel this in the room. Some are like, well, my heart got excited about a lot of that, but I don't have a clue what he's talking about. I, I just say this that it's, it's just going to keep coming. The Lord's just going to keep revealing what this is. He's going to keep revealing what this is as we go along. But we're just going to give our life to you, Jesus. So, Father, I love you and I bless you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.